morning, Ramp Church. I hope that you are having a wonderful weekend, and I'm excited about spending the next 30 minutes or so just sharing some of the Word of God with you um, that the Holy Spirit has been laying on my heart uh, for me personally, but also for a faith family. And I want to welcome all of you who might be tuning in to Ramp Church for the first time. Um, we're so glad that the Lord's directed your steps across this service, and um, I believe that all of you who are listening, that the Lord wants to give you some day daily bread today, something that's going to feed your spirit and nourish you and help you grow in faith and equip you for all that is ahead of you uh, this week as you go about in school and work and your different places of influence to just release the kingdom of God. So Ramp Church, I want you to lean in to the word of God. I know we are about seven months into this uh, Sunday morning church online experience, but I'm so grateful for all God is doing, and I want to remind you, um, the hungry get fed. So get out your notepad and expect to hear God speak to you. And um, expectation is a form of faith. We have faith and expectancy that as we read the word together, that the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to prepare us, to sustain us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. So that's my prayer for you this morning, Ramp Church. So this morning, I'm, I'm going to be wrapping up our Let Me Introduce You series. And we've been doing just a series on what it means to be the church right now, what it means to be community of faith right now in the middle of this, um, this lockdown that's still happening here in Greater Manchester. And we've talked about things about how God wants to use us even here, even now as a harvesting tool in the city. Uh, we've talked about why Manchester. We've talked about how we have been sent here. You have been sent to the city on purpose, that God has a plan for this city of Manchester and this nation. And part of his plan is that you be planted here doing the work of God. We've also talked about corporate prayer. Pastor Joe and Pastor Karen, they talked about how a church and a body of believers is meant not to just pray for each other individually, but corporately contend for the kingdom of God to be released on earth in the place of prayer. And then James and I chatted about keeping our temperature hot and about being a um, Followers of Jesus is calling us to a life of hot devotion and pursuit and making sure that we can stay hot in a lukewarm culture. Uh, Pete and Camilla and I talked about the importance of community for keeping our fire burning. And then Joe talked last week about our spiritual gifts and how amazing it is that God not just saves us, but then gives us gifts so that we can serve each other well and express love to one another and give people a sample of God. So I encourage you to go back and listen to, to any of those messages that you have missed. And this is my prayer for you, Ramp Church, and those of you who are viewing online. My prayer is that even through this series, you have a better understanding of what it means means to be the church, what it means to be the people of God. That church is not just us all individually sitting on the sofa uh, watching online church, but what it means to be the church right now is we are still a unified body, that we are engaged in each other's lives, that we are committed and devoted to teaching, to prayer, to um, relationship with God and with each other. That's not this half-hearted addition 
but actually our entire lives as the church are orientated around Jesus and his kingdom and his purpose. And I know that every single one of you who are watching, that there is a community of faith that exists that you can get planted in and flourish. And my prayer is that you find the community of faith that God wants you to get planted in so you can bear fruit and that the body of Christ in this city can continue to grow and release the presence of God in this region. Every single one of you are called to be committed to a church body, a local church body. You, we have leaders of different ministries. We have uh, people who are amazing business owners. And no matter who you are, how long you've been serving Jesus, what your work life or home life is like, I'm telling you God's will for you laid out in scripture is that you be committed to brothers and sisters in Christ, to spiritual authority, to the teaching of God's word, to using your gifts to serve one another. And there are all different types of churches because there are all different types of people. And I promise you, there's a faith family that you can flourish in. No faith family is perfect. I know I say that a lot. I think sometimes, I know my tendency is often we, um, we come into new places and we're expecting new things, but our, our issues are inside of us and they have to be resolved. So if you're looking for an elite group of people, uh, Ramp Church is not that group. We are just brothers and sisters in Christ pursuing the more of God, growing in love together. And I just want to challenge you, Ramp Church, in this season, don't let your grip on God's body, on the body of Christ, relax and grow lax. And don't forsake the habit of joining together with your faith family to encourage one another in our prayer meetings, in our home groups, in giving, in fasting. These are the ways that we are the church, that we grow in strength as being who God has, as becoming who God has called us to be in this season. So in concluding of this series of Let Me Introduce You, I want to just um, talk about something that's really close to, to our heart as a part of the ramp, the global ramp family. And that is we are called to be leaders and raise up leaders. Now, I know maybe you don't think of yourself as a leader, but let me just give you what I mean by that word. At the ramp, we, we define leadership as a life that can be followed. And let me tell you, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have some leadership you have been entrusted with some, some leadership. You are entrusted with the great commission of going into all the world and preaching the gospel and teaching everyone to obey the commands and, and asking them to follow you as, they, as you follow Christ. To be a disciple is to learn under Jesus and then invite other people in your world into that relationship with him, into that lifestyle of walking in God's ways. So whether you are just... Maybe you are in a season and you're single and you are working somewhere. You still are very much a part of God's leadership team here in Manchester. You are carrying the kingdom of God. You are leading others by your example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you are a stay-at-home mom with a toddler just changing diapers or you are in the workplace, in the corporate world, um, managing teams of people, I want all of you to see yourself as you have a responsibility. You have been entrusted with this precious gift of the Holy Spirit. 
and the gifts that God gives and the word of God to lead others into this place of intimacy and purpose. Every single one of you has leadership on your life to some capacity, to some degree. And I even sense Ram Church that the Lord is calling some of you to step it up a bit. And I've even heard from some of you that he is calling you to step it up a bit, to step out of your comfort zone, to take responsibility for the gifts and the anointing and the Holy Spirit in you and start seizing opportunities to release the presence of God in new ways. But let me tell you again, leadership is not about a spiritual gifting. Leadership is about a lifestyle that can be followed. It's about living a life that can be followed. If I look at, you've heard me talk about how Paul said to Timothy, he said, you've seen my life. You've seen my patience. You've seen my endurance. You've seen what I teach. You see the the way I suffer in all of those angles that you see. It says, you know my purpose in life, to know Christ, to make him known. What is, I love that verse because Paul, who's one of the the founding fathers of the faith in the early church, he's saying leadership, my leadership even in your life, Timothy, is not just about my teaching. And it's not just about my spiritual gifts, even though I'm raising people from the dead and doing incredible signs and wonders. It is my entire life, no matter what angle, if you look at my finances, if you look at the way I parent, if you look at the relationship that I have with my husband, if you look at the relationship I have here, that there is no matter what angle you see this pursuit, not perfection, but pursuit to live in the ways of God to know God, to make him known. And I even love that I'm here just in my living room because here talking about leadership, I feel like leadership absolutely starts in our own private lives. It starts in private. It starts with the way you lead yourself and the way you relate to other people. And then as we are entrusted with little and are faithful in that, God entrusts us with more. So I wanna talk to you about some instructions for us, Ramp Church, that Paul actually gave to Timothy on five marks of a life that can be followed. Five marks on a life that can be followed. And I want, as I'm running through these, I'm just going to kind of really quickly skim the surface. I want you to just be open to let the Holy Spirit show you what areas is he calling you higher in. There's so much in you. There's so much need for you to engage in the world and the church. More than ever, you are needed in the world, you are needed in the church, you are needed in this body of believers to receive, yes, strength, sustenance, refreshing, absolutely. I always want Ramp Church to be a place where leaders can come and receive fuel on their fire and fresh wind in their sails, but also to contribute to release that anointing and that gifting and that love that is inside of you to others around you. So first, first, before I dive into the main passage where Paul kind of lays out some instructions for Timothy, I first wanna go to Philippians where Paul is um, actually just referencing Timothy. And this is Philippians 2, verse 20 and 21. It says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not what matters to Jesus Christ. Ouch. Wow. Can you imagine being on Paul's team? I mean, Paul had a whole 
team of people that are helping him lead these churches. And you get this letter and you're reading that loud to your church and you see, oh, okay, Paul's, Paul's saying nobody else really cares but Timothy. But I love this truth about leadership and even what Paul is saying to Timothy. This is the first mark of a life that can be followed. You genuinely care about people. You care about people. This is the whole reason why we are here on planet Earth, is to experience and know the love of God and love Him back. How do we love God back? We express it through our love for people. Our love for God is expressed, is made tangible, is made evident in our care and love for people. And there's not a leader on planet Earth who gets this perfect all the time. And I'm not asking you, Ramp Church, to be leaders that are, you know, that you never mess up. I'm asking you, is your pursuit, is your aim, is your progress in this direction? Are you growing in love? Are you enlarged in your care and compassion for one another? And not just the people out there that you see every once in a while, but the people in your own home, the people that you know, the people that you see their weaknesses, the people that see your weaknesses. Are you still living open and broken before them, loving them? Leadership is leading in love. It is caring for people. It is letting God break you and break you open to release the love of the Father through your life. Listen to what... Um, I love what Timothy, Paul so many times, you know, in, in his instructions to the pastors at his different church locations, he's, he's telling them, don't get caught up in these foolish arguments. Don't get caught up in these discussions. He says it in 2 Timothy 2, 23. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Again, I know I'm stating something that's so basic, but I guess I, I guess I know in my own tendency, even what Joe mentioned last week about spiritual gifts is we really, it's our tendency, I think, as humans, we are mesmerized by, um, by the supernatural. We're called to live supernatural lives. I mean, we're called as followers of Jesus to operate in the supernatural, to have gifts. But I'm telling you, unless you care for people and unless you are using those gifts to serve people, it's nothing. Even Jesus said in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 7, he says, many will come to me and say, I prophesied in your name, I cast out demons in your name, and he will say, depart from me, you who are practicing lawlessness. And then later we know through Jesus, through Paul, that the fulfillment of the law of God is actually love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So you can operate in the gifts without love, and then you are totally missing it. And Ramp Church, my job is, I don't care if I have to do this every day, is remind you of what really matters. And what really matters is, is your heart growing in love and care for God's people for the people of God. So first mark of a life that can be followed is you need to be passionate and patient with people. 
And this, some of you who volunteered for Ramp, you know this, you know, you know that we really are looking for team players. God is looking for team players. This is not about you getting to use your gift. This is, are you a team player? Because together we can accomplish a lot more. And when we're serving each other in love, God can do amazing, miraculous things. But we're going to commit to have a life that can be followed. And the first thing that we're going to really hopefully by the grace of God and much, much help from Holy Spirit be able to lead people into is a genuine care and a genuine love for the people that we're serving. The second thing, okay, I'm going to start with 1 Timothy 1, 18, and I'm going to hopefully just kind of breeze through these next few, but 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. So first thing I want to point out that Paul instructs is he says he's giving these instructions so that they help Timothy fight well in the Lord's battles. I want to remind you, Ramp Church, that your life and the the leadership on your life is an example of how to fight well. How to fight well. Now, I'm not talking about I'm talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about the fight of faith. I'm talking about when you are in spiritual warfare, fighting well means you know who your enemy is and you're not confusing that with a flesh and blood person. And boy, do we really help us, Holy Spirit, get this. Get this today more than ever, that our battle is not with flesh and blood. And people are loved by God. I don't care who they are. I don't care if if that person is operating in Jezebel or this person is under the influence of this spirit. That person is loved by God. And to fight the battle of God well, we're going to have to stop demonizing people and causing division by demonizing people. And we're going to have to fight in the spirit realm, in the place of prayer and walk in love. Walking in love is the highest form of spiritual warfare. To walk in love, to walk in authority, to know that your enemy is not the person that you're looking into. They may be under the influence. They may be believing some lies right now that they're acting in a behavior that is contrary to the will of God, but that that person's soul is deeply loved. Jesus died for that person and he died so that we could be unified as a body of Christ. So listen to what Paul says about fighting well. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, three through five. He says, we live in the world, but we don't fight in the same way the world fights. He says, we fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places. We destroy people's arguments and every proud thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. We capture every thought and make it obey Christ. I love how it says in Ephesians 6, 12, our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness, against spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. 
I know that you understand this. Uh, most of you at Ramp Church, you've heard us talk about this a lot. The, the, the battle in the heavenlies against the kingdom of darkness, against Satan and all his demonic forces, these principalities, these powers, they are opposed to God's kingdom. They are opposed to anything love. They are opposed to God's peace. They are opposed to unity. And we are fighting that battle in the spirit by prayer, faith, obedience, walking in love. We have these mighty weapons of prayer and fasting. But I want you to see, I want you to see, Ramp Church, that this isn't just all of us individually fighting these little spiritual battles. That's one component of our spiritual warfare. But I want you to get this, that we are a unified body, that the body of Christ is united. We are this army of God and we are collectively contending for the will of God to manifest. And the enemy is opposed to us as a unified body. And some of you, you get spiritual warfare on your own level, but I feel like the Lord is probably wanting to just even increase your understanding and your revelation of you need to not just fight for your own self, but you need to fight for the community of faith that you have been planted in and assigned to. You need to not just be able to have your own back and know how to do war in the heavenlies for yourself. But some of you, all of you who are assigned to Ramp Church, then your part is to fight the battle in the heavenlies against this unified body that is called to release the kingdom of God. And God is wanting to call you higher by taking you from this world of just living as an individual to actually living from this corporate mindset and understanding your prayer time is not just your prayer time. You are contending for unity. You are protecting unity in your church. So fight well and understand people are not the enemy. And every battle, how do we wage war? How do we understand even how to... How to um, exercise victory in Christ. Well, that's a whole nother series worth, but let me just, let me just tell you this quote that I love by J.W. Um, J.H. Jowett. It says, it is in the field of prayer that life's critical battles are lost or won. We must conquer all our circumstances there. We must first of all bring them there. We must survey them there. We must master them there. In prayer, we bring our spiritual enemies into the presence of God and we fight them there. Have you tried that? Or have you just been satisfied to meet and fight your foes in the open spaces of the world? Wow. So what does that mean practically? You're, you're, you're up against, um, you're not seeing a breakthrough. You're seeing tension maybe in a relationship. You first win it, the battle in prayer. You need a release of financial provision. You know God's will is your financial provision, is the rent church's financial provision. We fight it first in prayer. We know God's will. We contend in prayer for his will to break through. If there's tension in your home groups or somebody's really struggling, you fight it first in prayer. You fight it first in prayer before problem solving, before you call your mom, before you call your pastor, before you, you fight the battle in the place of prayer and agreement. So fight well. That's the second. The first one, be passionate and patient with people. The second mark, fight well in the Lord's battles. The third that I want to um, highlight is a little bit, listen, I'm not really going in order of that exact text, but Paul says, first of all, pray. He says, I'm going to give you these instructions, Timothy. And then he says, first of all, pray. I know I don't have to talk a lot to you. We've been talking a lot about prayer. I think the reason why I'm talking a lot about prayer is because I see church as a community of faith that's not just listening to the word 
and showing up for potlucks and dinners and all of that. But we are unified in the place of prayer together corporately. First of all, pray. You as a leader, first of all, pray for the people that you're leading. Pray, pray for them. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, not preach. He told them to pray so they don't give into temptation. He taught them to pray so they wouldn't lose heart in Luke 18. In the early church, the Holy Spirit descended in a prayer meeting. God worked deliverance for Peter through a prayer meeting. Paul and Barnabas were commissioned by the Holy Spirit in a prayer meeting. Acts 2 describes the early church was being devoted to the breaking of bread, the apostles' teaching, but also devoted to prayer. We as a church, what does it mean for you to be planted in a local church? You are committed to the place of prayer for that corporate assignment. You know, it's interesting being a pastor planting Ramp Church here. I absolutely love hearing your stories. I do. I love hearing your history. And I love hearing your vision of what church can be and what you hope Ramp Church can be. But let me just put this on the table for you to consider. Don't dream and tell me about what you feel God wants Ramp Church to be and not show up to our prayer meetings. Prayer meetings is where it happens. It's where the heart is enlarged to want the will of God and to receive power to do the will of God. Everybody I talk to, they say they want a healthy church. Of course we want a healthy church. How are we going to get a healthy church? Is if we stop talking about it and we start praying together about having a healthy church. We have to be committed to understanding that first of all, we're going to commit to the prayer together place. Now, we have prayer meetings all throughout the week. I know you've heard all about them. So I want to start seeing some of you who have not been engaging in Ramp Church prayer meetings start engaging in Ramp Church prayer meetings. This is what it is to be the church. Listen to what uh, Charles Spurgeon says. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a grace-o-meter, and from it we may judge of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he not be there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a, sloth, a slothfulness in prayer. Charles Spurgeon also said, We shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. So being a leader is you're not just praying for yourself and you're, you are praying for the people that you're leading. Being um, a, leader, a leader in our church is we're committed to praying for each other, winning the battle in the place of prayer. The next thing, I'm going to just touch on this real quick, and that is Paul says to Timothy, cling to your faith. He says, cling to your faith. He's given him these instructions so that he can fight well in the Lord's battle and cling to his faith. And I know I've been saying this to you all a lot recently, in our prayer meetings especially. Your faith is being tested right now. Your faith will be tested. You, you don't become a leader and then get less testing. You, you are, as you grow in leadership, you grow in the testing. In fact, I've heard it said before uh, just this week that leadership is actually the ability, the commitment to endure pain because you see a vision that is worth more than pain. And you, you as a leader, you have a vision. You've got a vision for your life. You've got a vision for the church you're a part of. And it's going to be tested. And the testing is always painful. And the trial is painful. And you have to cling to your faith. 
and know that the enemy is after your faith. And you've heard me talk about how Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And what did Jesus do as Peter's leader? He says, but I have prayed for you. Prayed for what? That Satan wouldn't try to sift as wheat? No, he said, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. Now, if I, if I was Peter, I would have maybe, I don't know, I would think, well, Jesus, could you just pray that Satan would get off my back and not even try to sift me? No, because Jesus wants something genuine. He wants something strong. And people don't want to follow people who don't have any trials. They want to follow people who are strong through trials. They want, they want to find resonance in the battle and see that it is possible to cling to your faith, even though it's tested and refined and tried. So you cling to your faith in Jesus, your belief in his goodness, your steadfastness in trust of him. Cling to your faith as a leader in this church in this pandemic right now. Okay. And then I'm going to end here. I think the next, the last thing that he says, Paul says in first uh, Timothy one, nine, one is keep your conscience clear. Listen, he says, I'm going to read it again. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Let me read to you something about, um, Another thing that Paul says, well, let me actually first go back and say this. What what does it mean to keep your conscience clear? Just do the right thing. Do what you know to be right. And if you can't figure that out, then you pray, you seek, you seek counsel, you, you seek wisdom. But to keep your conscience clear, I love that. It's don't do anything that you know would be wrong, that's sinful. And sometimes if you can't figure that out, you think, okay, well, what would Jesus do? And if you can't think, if you can't figure that out, then you go, well, what would a great leader do? What would a great leader do in this situation? And then sometimes you just have to think, well, I don't know what a great leader would do. And I'm not even sure what uh, Jesus would do in this situation. And I love what Pastor Karen says. Sometimes she just asks, well, what would the devil want me to do? (laughs) And sometimes even if you think down that path, well, I know the enemy would want me to get on Facebook right now and just vent. Or I know the enemy would have a heyday if I got on the phone and I started venting and then just spilling all these toxic thoughts about this drama that's going on. I know the enemy would want me to watch eight hours of Netflix right now and just try to numb out the pain. Or what would God want me to do? Or what would a great leader do? What would the enemy want me to do? All of those questions, they help me navigate what's the right thing to do. But honestly, this is the wonderful thing about God's will. If you are willing to do God's will, he will reveal his will to you. If you are seeking his will, He will reveal his will to you. But leadership means doing the right thing, trying. Now, nobody gets it right, but I'm talking about the pursuit, the intention, intentionally wanting to live a life that is walking in God's ways, doing things the way he would want them to do. And our conscience actually is calibrated and grows. It's not, you know, when I was a child, I could complain with a clear conscience. I could complain all day and feel great about it. And it took my parents teaching me and it took my own growth and maturity and submission for my conscience to to then be calibrated. And you know, sometimes you come in to following Jesus and you can have a clear conscience about anything. You can be sleeping around, spending your time however you want, maybe just living the lifestyle that you always lived. But as you grow in God and you understand what his will is, your conscience becomes calibrated to the will of God. 
And we all, the, all that Paul is saying here is keeping a clear conscience is I want your actions and what you actually do and how you behave to reflect the ways of God that you know you're not responsible for all these other people, but have you done your best to do the right thing? Second Timothy 2.20, it says, Paul says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Next verse is verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Pursue righteous living. I love what Paul also says, you know, how I was saying your conscience is calibrated as your mind is renewed, as you grow in knowledge of God's will. It's, he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. And I just want to encourage you some of you who are listening to this, God's called you to more and you need to become, you need to get some things right in your life. You need to cut some things off. You know it, you, your conscience is already telling you that. And it's time, the grace of God never, God calls us, but he gives us the grace and the divine power to do everything that pleases him. You are not in your, you are not doing this in your own effort. You have the help of Holy Spirit who works in you who gives you desire. Well, how do you experience that desire? You seek it, you cry out for it. You want more of God, cry out for more of God. Really, I mean, if you want it, then really want him. And he will come through, he will not disappoint the true seeker that's wholeheartedly seeking him. And I'm, I've, I feel like what God is doing right now in Ramp Church is he's wanting to prepare us, prepare us, prepare us get you planted, get you prepared, because there is a city and a region that needs the gospel to come through your life. Your life is happening. Your life is happening right now. Your life is happening. And it is time to engage and step up and be the leader that God has called you to be, to be passionate and patient with people, to fight well in the Lord's battle, to be a person of prayer, to live with a clear conscience. I think that is all of them. First of all, pray to cling to your faith, cling to your faith. All of these things. This is, I feel like what, what God is, is calling us to come up into. And as we're stepping into just even the more of God, pursuing the more of God with each other, I want you Brant church to assess where has God called you? Where has he called you? Do you have peace where he's called you? Are you engaged where he's called you? Don't tell me that you're part of Ramp Church and then just only watch us on YouTube and not pray, not give, not fast, not show up in relationship. That's not what God has for you. There's more that God has for you. And we're going to be starting this series next week with Joe and Micah. They're going to be talking about walking in freedom. And that last point that I talked about, living with a clear conscience, it's living a consecrated life. Living a life that's free from the power and the influence of sin. And that's possible for every single follower of Jesus. Victory over sin is, is our inheritance as followers of Christ. And we're going to be diving deep over the next few weeks into what is sin and how do we walk in freedom from it. 
But in closing this message, I want us to just come into a time of prayer where we can let the Holy Spirit just speak to us, minister to us, call us higher. Right where you're at, Ramp Church, I just invite you to find a place to kneel, open your heart, and I want to pray over us. Father, we know that you have called us and we are so privileged that you would call us and let us be a partner in your work. Is our highest privilege, our highest calling is just, Lord, that we have been called by name by you to know you and to make you known. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just begin to move over Ramp Church, that you would bring clarity, God, to those who are seeking your will. Some of them are seeking about where to plant themselves, what community of faith. I pray, Father, that all over Manchester, that the body of Christ would be planted and mobilized for greater fruitfulness. I pray that Ramp Church would be a community of people, Lord, that are living hot, that are hot in the place of prayer, hot in the place of love, hot in the place of devotion to you. I pray, Father, that we would be leaders, that our lives would be able to be followed. The way we talk to our spouse, the way we talk to our children, our love, our care for each other, that it would model what you have made possible for us as believers. We open ourselves up to you right now, Holy Spirit. We want more of you. We give you permission. Convict us. Lead us to repentance. If there's anything in us that offends you, God, point it out and lead us to repentance. We want to be the church in this hour. We want to be the bride of Christ that is fully devoted and faithful to you, Lord. And that we can be a harvesting tool in this season for the many, many, many that are without hope and without God. Lord, I pray that we can reach them and that we don't waste our lives, but we spend it all on you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've maybe prayed a prayer for the first time, if you've prayed, maybe you've never prayed to Jesus before, if you want help, if you want us to partner with you in your journey in following Jesus, just comment. Click that button and we want to reach out to you. We would love to meet you. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to help you in your journey of following after Jesus. Ram Church, much love. We'll see you at our next prayer meeting.